The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity in World Religions is a book by longtime Unity minister Paul John Roach that connects the dots between Unity teachings and the tenets of the world's religions. Get your copy today at unity.org slash worldreligions. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Sometime around 1000 BCE, the Yajur Veda said, you must not use your God-given body for killing God's creatures, whether they are human or animal or whatever. Now, I'm not really sure what trans, what Sanskrit word translates as whatever, but you get the idea that for a very, very long time in the scriptures of India, there has been a thread of vegetarianism, the root of ahimsa, nonviolence, and reverence for life. Today, we're going to be talking about that and about yoga in the modern world, and about an event coming up that you absolutely will not want to miss. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for the Main Street Vegan radio show and podcast on Unity Online Radio. And it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome you here today when I am going to be speaking with two people who are quite rare in this world, I would say, and that is genuine yogis. Let me first introduce to you Chandra Skamoto, who has been teaching integral yoga at the Integral Yoga Institute of New York for more than 20 years. She has also been a best-selling author, and she loves the medium of radio. Thank you so much, Chandra. We do, too. <laughs> Welcome Thank to you. the program. And my other guest um, you have heard before, and that is is Holly Scotus. She is an advanced Dharma yoga instructor and a Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. In 2017, Holly founded Yoga is Vegan, a project dedicated to inspiring yogis to go vegan. And each week she interviews and features yogis from around the world on her Yoga is Vegan podcast and blog. Welcome, Holly. Oh, thank you so much, Victoria. It's a well, pleasure to be here. It, it is absolutely so exciting because for me, spirituality and veganism, yoga and veganism are two great passions. And we come together under this wonderful spirituality umbrella of Unity Online Radio. So everything really seems to be... <laughs> designed um, to be just as it should be. So first, so that the listeners can get to know each of you and what your lives are like as yoga practitioners, we'll start with you, Chandra. Give us a little background. 
Well, thanks, Victoria. Well, yoga has been in my life since my first year in college. I arrived at uh, State University of New Paltz in 1969, uh, having been a quite rebellious teenager, gotten all kinds of trouble, and uh, didn't like anything. I was uh, mad at the world, hated phys ed, and really in a bit of turmoil. And by some beautiful stroke of luck, I walked into a little store in New Paltz, and there was a sign in the window and said, do you want to feel peaceful? And I said to myself, yes, I do. And so I took this yoga class and uh, kept taking a few more and was just amazed at how good I felt, not just in my mind, but in my body. And the stretching and breathing was so beautiful to me as a physical practice. A year later, I took initiation into Transcendental Meditation. When people from that organization came to New Paltz, I had known that the Beatles had gone to India to meditate, and that was a good enough reason for me. So I received a mantra and was lucky enough to live in a big house near the college with a bunch of other people who meditated. So we meditated morning, noon, and night together. It was kind of an ashram atmosphere, although I barely knew that word. So over the next many years, I worked as a newspaper reporter in Woodstock. I came back to New York City, where I'm from, and took a job in book publishing and was lucky enough to have a great career for two decades at two of the most prominent publishers in the world, Random House and Simon & Schuster, working with books and authors at a very thrilling time. Uh, After that, I moved to Nashville. I did yoga there from a book. All through these years, I was doing some sort of yoga and always meditating. I uh, ended up writing and publishing seven books, and in the mid-90s, I wandered into Integral Yoga Institute at West 13th Street in Greenwich Village, and I thought, well, look at this, and I realized it had been there so long, and I was so glad to discover it. The first few classes I took at Integral Yoga literally blew my mind. I had practiced, of course, but never had that feeling that you get from the integral class, the sense of complete comfort in the body, um, the breath working and opening up all of your um, space in the body, and that sense of real awareness that peace is our true self and our birthright. So I took teacher training. I was offered a job working at the reception desk, which I happily took, And I've been there ever since. I've had almost every job at the Institute. I have taught at least once a week since 1999. And it is now the centerpiece of my life. I am so proud to be part of this nonprofit organization whose mission is to bring yoga to everyone, in every body, at every age, from every culture, faith, and background, and of every ability. And Integral Yoga has been in the forefront of adapting yoga for every health condition from chronic to life-threatening, for every population from prenatal to children to teens to uh, every stage of life. 
and we continue to thrive in our building on West 13th Street. The times are tough, as we know, during this pandemic. We've been closed for almost a year, but we are serving online. I'm happy to teach once a week from my home. I always am happy when Victoria's face comes up on the screen on Zoom. And uh, Integral Yoga continues to be uh, true, authentic, traditional, and uh, always ready to serve. Oh, thank you, Chandra. And there was something that you said that really struck me as being incredibly yogic. You talked about having this fabulous job in publishing during a wonderful time for that. No regrets, no like I'm trying to stretch it out and make it be wonderful again. I'm so sad that that time is no longer and we're now in this time. You just so yogically, that was that and that was great and this is now and it's great. And I think more than to be flexible and fit, this is why I keep coming back to yoga. (laughs) Agreed 100%. Yoga is what happens in your life off the mat. As, as Swami Satchidananda, the founder of Integral Yoga, on whose teachings we, we uh, operate, he said it is far more important to stand on your feet than to stand on your head. <laughs> Amen to that. So, Holly, you are a Dharma yoga instructor. So tell us a little bit about that and your background. Well, I didn't start off as a Dharma yoga instructor. I did my first training uh, as a 200-hour Hatha yoga instructor. But I started yoga initially with, it was either a DVD or maybe a VHS tape. When I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, I started doing an at-home yoga pregnancy DVD. And that's what initially started it. I started feeling like feeling better. I felt like I should be doing that. And as my daughters both grew, that's when my yoga journey started to take off. And it ran kind of parallel with going to physical yoga classes at a local studio, but then diving in spiritually through books, through visiting the self-realization center in, um, my gosh, I cannot speak today, in, uh, at Lake Shrine, in the Palisades. There we go. And so it kind of started there. And then when I had moved, I had started to really solidify my vegan, um, you know, wanting to be vegan. And I wanted to do an upper level training. So I did one with Sri Dharma Mitra in the city. And the reason I was so interested in studying with him was that part of the training was that you had to commit to a vegan diet to do his training. And that's because he honors vegetarianism in the 200-hour trainings and then veganism when you get up to the 500 and 800 hours. So I learned what it meant to be a Dharma yogi. And I think what I loved about that was that he put ahimsa as the number one um, thing that was important. He says, without ahimsa, there is no yoga. And just being able to learn from him He allows the student to kind of find their own way, but then really allows us to understand the different spiritual practices. There's a big emphasis on karma yoga, which is where the Yoga is Vegan project came out of. And um, there's, you know, the pranayama and the asana practices, but then we also have a sattvic diet 
And so all of that combined really kind of shifted me to embracing Dharma yoga as my main type of yoga that I teach. And that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. Which is that you are the yoga is vegan woman. And I highly recommend that people check out your your website, your wonderful podcast, but also some really stellar products. I just feel that when I wear one of my yoga is vegan uh, uh, tank tops, I I do better at yoga. (laughs) So... um, Chandra, I know that Integral Yoga also has a a long vegetarian history and also a connection to a very famous plant-based doctor. Can you tell us that story? Yes, I'd love to tell you that story. So from the moment that Swami Satchidananda arrived in the United States in 1966, he always talked about the importance of a plant-based diet for health and also to practice ahimsa. He was from a part of India that was a farming area in South India, and he did grow up in a largely vegetarian culture, but with the principles of Ayurveda. And so in that culture, milk and ghee were part and parcel of the South Indian lifestyle. He always spoke against eggs, so eggs were not part of the lacto-vegetarian diet that Swami Satchidananda taught. He, over the years, always spoke about the importance of the vegetarian diet. One of his students was a young um, medical student in Texas who uh, really healed his own life, his depression, his stress, his digestive issues by adopting the vegetarian diet, and by practicing yoga, and um, especially the aspect of integral yoga that's about community, coming together, supporting one another on the path. Um, This person is Dr. Dean Ornish, who went on to write Dr. Dean Ornish's program for reversing heart disease. But he based it all on scientific principles. He, as soon as he finished all his medical training, he proposed to some universities and hospitals to do a study. And the study was to prove, in his words, that yoga, love, and a vegetarian diet could reverse heart disease. And as the legend goes, and as Dr. Ornish tells this story, everybody laughed at him. All of the medical professionals and professors and experts said, well, that's ridiculous. And so he went to Swami Satchidananda and said, why won't these people listen to me? And in one of his many gems of wisdom, Swami Satchidananda said to Dean Ornish, you need to speak a language that they can understand. So Dean Ornish went and reframed his proposal, and he said he wished to prove that a program of gentle stretching exercises, community support, or group support, not even community, group support, and a high-fiber, low-fat diet could reverse heart disease. Fortunately, he got the opportunity to do the first study, and then more and more studies, And as he tells it, he continued to use the most high-tech, advanced medical measurements and measures and evaluations of people 
to prove the efficacy of these ancient teachings. And now, over these years, preventative medicine is, um, you know, gained traction, and Dr. Ornish's program is supported by the medical profession to the point that Medicare and several major insurance companies will pay for the cost of the program for patients. That is such a great story. Uh, Dr. Ornish has been on the program, so people who like to look people up in the archives uh, do that. It was within the past year that he was on with us. And there's another little piece to that story that the book that he wrote that was a, a huge bestseller because this was so revolutionary prior to Dean Ornish's work, it was believed that heart disease was absolutely irreversible. Maybe you could prevent it. That was kind of, we didn't know, but you cannot turn it around. And his work showed you absolutely can. So when he wanted his, his book to be published, his title was Opening Your Heart. And Random House, where I believe you may have been at that time, Chandra, said, <laughs> said, let's call it Dr. Dean Ornish's program for reversing heart disease. But it is, it is opening the heart. And that's actually what uh, we are all hoping to do because the three of us, uh, Chandra representing integral yoga, uh, Holly representing yoga uh, is vegan, and myself as Main Street Vegan are sponsoring the Yoga Goes Vegan uh, event. It's going to be all day on the um, spring equinox of 2021 and um, March 20th if you are a longtime vegetarian vegan person you know that's meat out day it's been meat out I believe this is the 37th uh, annual uh, meat out that happens on March the 20th and we're going to add to that Yoga Goes Vegan and I'm just envisioning this as a day almost like the first Earth Day because before Earth Day, ecology was this kind of esoteric um, academic study that a few people knew about. And all of a sudden, everybody knew that they were supposed to be, to some degree at least, an environmentalist. So we're hoping to make at least little inroads, uh, <laughs> something like that, in the yoga world. So Holly, tell us why you think it's important for yoga to go vegan. Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense. If you look at the world that we're living in today, the environment really demands that we start to make important changes for the for the environment because you know, the way that we are farming, whether it's factory farms or even small farms, it's causing a ma major impact on the environment. So, we know at least for our mother earth, we need to be doing that. In terms of ahimsa and how it relates to compassion and nonviolence, something that a yogi is supposed to keep as the utmost importance, it only makes sense that switching towards a vegan lifestyle embraces that because we now know the reality of our food is much different than what it used to be. And even if there are ahimsa farms that that there are small ones where they treat the animals a lot better that's not something that is sustainable for the world that we live in today so by starting to switch and embrace veganism we're then making and honoring that kindness and compassion that i think all yogis should embody 
That is beautifully put. And I know Chandra Integral Yoga actually has has re-edited and re-released one of the classic books to reflect more of this ethic. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I can. So there was a book called The Healthy Vegetarian by Swami Satchidananda that was published in the 80s. And it talked all about the impact on the planet and impact on our own physical, emotional, and spiritual health of a plant-based vegetarian diet. Um, over time, Swami Satchidananda began to uh, focus much more on vegan. As he would say, as I said earlier, no eggs ever, because that definitely was not in his uh, point of view. But he said that people, strictly speaking, we don't need dairy products. He said they're not necessary. No animal drinks milk when it is born. So he understood that um, there was not necessary for people to have uh, dairy in their diet, but never wishing to make anyone feel bad. Some people felt committed to having dairy and ghee. And he said, look, milk comes from the cow, but you don't eat the flesh. And so he didn't ever want to make people feel bad, but his thinking evolved over time to the point that the publishers of The uh, Healthy Vegetarian updated that book, and it was published again in uh, 2017 called The Yoga Way, Food for Body, Mind, and Spirit. And it uh, was edited and authored by Carol Kalyani Baral. And it talked about making the transition to vegan, many resources for readers who wanted to find out more about all aspects of the vegan diet. And so uh, everything evolves. And this is why Integral Yoga is so happy to be a part of this wonderful gathering and retreat on March 20th to just let everyone explore. Those who are already vegan, those who are looking at being more vegan, you know, really reducing and moving toward eliminating dairy from the diet. But everyone is welcome, whatever stage anyone is in on their dietary path. And it's going to be a beautiful day. We have so many different things going on all day. And it's, uh, it's a chock-full day, but there's time to retreat. I'm honored to be teaching a yoga class at the start of the day and ending it with a meditation. Uh, Holly and Victoria can tell you about all the good and wonderful speakers that will be on this virtual retreat. And, you know, if you, if you can come to all of it, that's wonderful. If you need to miss a couple of the segments because you have a busy Saturday going on, then we are going to record this. And uh, everyone who registers for the event will receive a copy of the recording. Oh, that's wonderful, because I think we'll be so involved in trying to make it be perfect that we'll need to listen to the recording afterward. <laughs> yes, get... won't that be something? Yeah, yeah, it will indeed. So this is the day when, when we are all uh, coming into humility. The listeners didn't hear this, but I had to start the whole program over again because I messed up the beginning. And I just wanted to say, in case somebody is listening for the first time who who doesn't 
know about veganism. You had accidentally said, Chandra, no, anim Chandra, no animal drinks milk after it is born. And I know you meant after it is weaned. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, you get into yoga and the universe is just like, we're going to make sure you get the humility piece. That seems to be... Uh... Yes, indeed. Without argument. And um, Carol Kaliani Baral will be uh, on the program, the woman who, who did the uh, revision and, and the rewriting of, of Swami Sachidananda's book. Now, just before we go to break, I would love for you, Chandra, to give everybody an easy way to get to registration. Very easy. Uh, go to Integral Yoga's website. I-Y-I-N-Y dot org and go to our workshop list, scroll on the calendar to March 20th and you'll get the full description, the full schedule, all the different speakers, what we'll be doing at different times and then you will be led to register. If you don't have an account with MindBodyOnline, you'll be asked to make one. We are pricing this on a sliding scale, leaving it as an honor system for people to pay. Uh, the the uh, extra friendly price is $97 for the full day. The regular price is that sacred number of 108 And if you can provide extra support that will help those who um, need extra support, it's 125 But I want to add that anyone who wants to come to this, uh, we don't want anyone left out for financial reasons, so email me. Uh, and if you have any problems getting through all this techno stuff to register, just also email me and we can talk about uh, a price that works for you, and I can guide you through registering. My email is chandra at iyiny dot org. Wonderful. And, and be sure that you don't Google just Integral Yoga, because Integral Yoga is all over the country and lots is going on. You want to go to iyiny.org. And we are going to go to break, and we'll be back with more yoga. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. 
Welcome back, everybody. It's always a pleasure to have you as part of the Main Street Vegan family. And if you are new or if you haven't checked out the Main Street Vegan website lately, uh, please stop by MainStreetVegan.net. We have so many wonderful things going on. Main Street Vegan has an academy that trains and certifies vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. So our guest today, Holly Scotus, is one of those. And all kinds of people are out there in the world doing amazing things with that certification. We have people coaching, writing books, doing podcasts, and starting companies. Everything from uh, ice cream to cheese and yogurt to cowboy boots. (laughs) So do uh, check out Main Street Vegan Academy and everything else going on at MainStreetVegan.net. We'd love to have you as uh, part of that extended family. And also, if you're a fan of this program, do join the Main Street Vegan Podcast listeners group on Facebook. But my primary message to you today, if you have any interest at all in yoga, or if you know somebody who does, please check out the Yoga Goes Vegan gathering and retreat happening all day on Zoom on March 20th, and you can find that out at iyiny.org and click on workshops. So, Holly, you are a very athletic yogi. I mean, I have seen you do postures. I've seen pictures of you doing postures. It's beautiful, it's stunning, it's amazing. And it seems that there's so much emphasis today on the asana part of yoga, the physical part of yoga. So how do you manage to embrace the whole scope? You know, I honestly think that the real yoga is what goes on when you're not on your mat. Like I enjoy the physical and that's what wrote me in. And I'm going to sadly be saying goodbye to the physical for about three months while I recover. So, you know, to me, when I start my day and I meditate first thing, and then I'll do a lemon water and hopefully even think about something like a himsa or what I could do for others. That is my yoga practice and embracing the spirituality aspect, the karma yoga aspect of it. And, you know, really extending it so that the energy that we cultivate, whether it's, you know, you can see it in the strength of the asanas, the physical postures, that's wonderful. But then what can we do with that strength and how can we move forward so that it's not about the, you know, the I, the ego, but it becomes about like the large self. That's really where I see embracing yoga. I love that. And how about you, Chandra? I mean, you've seen yoga kind of before the Lululemon phase and now. How can we how can we get the whole picture communicated to students and new people? Well, integral yoga when uh, it was started in 1966 was a pioneer, was one of the only yoga schools in New York. And people came from everywhere to come to our classes. We then founded the first teacher training program for yoga teachers and trained a lot of teachers. And some of them went in different directions or opened their own studios. 
Meanwhile, yoga was making people feel really good, and they wanted more and more. And the many variations that have arisen all the way to Lululemon, to corporate chains of yoga, other such um, ways that yoga has permeated the culture, it's just wonderful. Anything that helps people to feel good in their bodies, to experience a little of that peace that the yoga class gives, uh, is a wonderful thing. And so Integral is rooted, just like Dharma Mitra, in a multi-thousand-year lineage and tradition. Uh, And even some of the most new and contemporary yoga um, spin-offs are just fine. So as long as people realize, as as Holly said, it's it's all about how you connect with the peace inside yourself, um, and that's no small matter. But with, by experiencing how good you can feel and how peaceful and light you are inside, you begin to realize that other people are like that too and that we start to connect from that place of peace and from the heart with all other people and, of course, all other sentient beings. And this is what breaks down the differences that we see. We begin to see more of what we have in common as, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience rather than seeing the differences Integral yoga from the beginning has brought together people from all of the world's faiths and all cultures and backgrounds and races and uh, belief systems. And to break down those barriers, if we can see each other as all members of one big human family, rather than breaking down into categories and slices of people, that is what brings peace. Peace has to begin in the individual before it goes out into the world, and that's what makes us know that we are all citizens of planet Earth and helps us care for our planet uh, much in a much more loving and kind way. Well, I like that you brought up how yoga is available to all cultures of the world, and yet it does come from India, and we're we're seeing some accusations uh, toward Western yogis of cultural appropriation. I mean, I wrote a book back in 2015 called The Good Karma Diet, and uh, somebody was very upset about that, that I had taken a concept that did not come from my culture and, and used that terminology. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, karma is like pizza. <laughs> you know, it's, it's everybody owns karma these days, but evidently not. So, Holly, I know that you've done some thinking about this. Where do you come down on it? You know, I, I was thinking about it quite a bit, and it's mixed, Right. Of course, there's a lot of cultural appropriation going on. I mean, it's got, especially coming from the perspective of the United States. Um, but at the same time, when you look at when yoga was first brought to the West, we were it was kind of given to us to a certain degree. So if you look at the lineages of yoga like Ashtanga, where you're not you're seeing tradition 
uh, and that practice staying very um, close to how it was, you know, received. I think there are areas of yoga where we're absolutely trying to honor that culture. And then at the same time, you can look at when it's become very commercial and, and see how we're using it. And, you know, I think right now we're, we're at a time where so many people are starting to really consider how they have been behaving from a commercial perspective and how we have not been inclusive or we've been almost stealing, right? Asteya in, in yoga, like stealing what isn't ours and then taking it for another gain. So I believe some of that is absolutely true, but to a degree, yoga was is a gift. And I think as as yogis and practitioners, if we can honor that and try try to keep that tradition as pure as possible, then then maybe that's better. Oh, that's beautifully put. I mean, I honor the Indian culture so much because even though I've studied all kinds of spiritual paths, I've just been all over the place. There's a phrase from the theologian Marcus Bach, a vagabond in the wonderful world of spirit. And I'd have to claim that too, but always at the center. You know, I might go off and <laughs> look at something else, but but yoga was always the grounding of, of my spiritual practice. And there's, there's so much gratitude there and something that we are uh, going to do with the yoga goes vegan um, retreat and gathering is to be sure that we do have input from people who are from India people fr from whom this this is their tradition so one of our speakers is Sujatha Menon who is a yoga teacher and an Ayurvedic practitioner a yogic Ayurvedic uh, pra uh, vegan Ayurvedic practitioner uh, from the UK and we're also going to be showing a, a short video from Dr. Silas Rao, which explains some of this connection traditionally uh, about um, butter and ghee and, and dairy in the, the Indian culture and, and the yoga tradition that is quite eye-opening. So um, who, who wants to jump in with what you're most excited about for March 20th? Well, I'm just excited that we get to spend this day. I love that it is a gathering. It's a retreat. It's meant to be a relaxing and informative day that keeps a light touch on everything, right? We, we don't want anyone to feel like they are being forced into something or uh, urged into something. It's Everything's a gradual path. And just to share what is great about the vegan diet and arguments for doing it, and so people can really get some insights. I'm looking forward to the uh, 10.30 to 11.15 presentation with you, Victoria, the nuts and bolts and grains and beans of being a vegan, because there are so many misconceptions about that when people say, well, how do you get protein? That's the big question for vegetarians and, in particular, um, vegans. I like that we're going to have some breakout sessions from 11.40 to 12.15 where people can gather in smaller groups and share their journey. You know, that's the other beauty of the yogic 
path and the communities that are created, certainly by Integral Yoga and Dharma Mitra, of people sitting and talking and learning and sharing for each other. So there's so much that we will do and so many tools people will uh, come away from this day with. And so uh, I'm looking forward to spending a very enjoyable day on the spring equinox and um, getting, uh, you know, getting more and more insights. You know, I love learning and I think everyone does. So come and learn. And Holly, I know you mentioned earlier that, that you're going to be recovering. I know you're going to be going into surgery for some post-pregnancy uh, situations. So um, what are you looking forward to for March 20th? Yeah. yeah. Feeling really good. <laughs> yeah, being over. Uh, no. Well, not March 20th, of course. I, you know, I am looking forward to learning more about veganizing and Ayurveda, like that's the thing you hear about a lot, like Ayurveda, but then the ghee comes into it. So I, I'm really curious to, to hear what Sujatha Minan, am I yes. pronouncing it? Okay. Pronouncing her name correctly. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what she is talking about. And I also love that Salish Rao has, has the symbolism of Krishna's love of butter. You know, it's like if we can start spreading the word in the foundations of yoga and explaining why it would make sense to start embracing and shifting towards veganism in the yoga community. I think that's, it's so important. And I've been noticing more and more people coming where I'm no longer preaching to the choir about, you know, yoga and veganism, but I'm seeing people who are curious to get in on both ends of it. And so I think we're all at a, a point where, where we need to heal and move forward. And I think it's a beautiful event that's just going to allow everyone to set their intentions going forward for this new world and hopefully a better way. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much, Holly. So as I look out on the yoga world and there is there is a yoga world. I mean, when I started doing yoga when I was 17, there was no yoga world. It was just this little thing that a few kind of odd people managed to discover. But now there's there's this yoga industry and there are yoga celebrities. But what is so wonderful is that some of them are vegan and very vocally vegan. So I, I know of, of Sean Korn, uh, Sharon Gannon, Koya Webb, Alberto Calkins, who's also a, a graduate of, of Main Street Vegan Academy. Are there some other yogis, Holly, that you know from your podcast who are who are vocally vegan? Yeah, I mean, what well, locally vegan? Vocally, oh, well vocally. known and talk it up. Don't <laughs> hide know, it. <laughs> I, I, I think I think probably the one that stands out to me the most is Anna Forrest and her partner, Jose Calarco, because she was a hunter. She was that vegan yogi who would talk, she, I'm sorry, excuse me, yogi who would just talk about yoga not being a vegan practice. And she made that switch in 2014. And they have shifted their entire um, trainings to include veganism is part of it. And another one that comes up to mind is Stuart Gilchrist, who 
is this amazing vegan. He's got a Jiva Mukti background and uh, he's quite an activist as well. But there's some really big yogis out there who have been embracing veganism and being vocal and now feeling, you know, a little more comfortable doing so than they once had. And that makes more comfort in yoga class for everybody who is vegan. And, you know, maybe at times in the past felt a little bit on the skids. So, Holly, there's something that you're doing now in terms of social media that's new to me, but I keep hearing about it. The last person was my doorman. You know, I don't go out a lot because of the the pandemic, but I walk my dog. (laughs) I was talking to one of the doormen and he said, are you on Clubhouse yet? And it's like, you know, wait a minute. I thought everything in this building was closed. Where's the clubhouse? But he meant this clubhouse you know about. So what are you doing there? Okay. I am thrilled to announce that I now have a weekly show or open room. And so Clubhouse is this great app where everything is audio. So it's kind of like a podcast plus, meaning that you can have a conversation with people who are listening if you open them up and bring them up on stage. So I've been, I'm new to it too. I've only done like two or my second one. Um, but I've on, been on there for about two and a half weeks. And what's incredible is there are these different clubs within the club. So there is a club called Plant, uh, Plant-Based Club. And so then they have a lot of people who are interested in going vegan or plant-based following that club. And that's where I'm doing that yoga is vegan um, with Holly Scotus show in there. And so we're having weekly conversations with people about why yoga is vegan and different aspects of it. And then we get to open up the conversation and collectively inspire each other. So I see it as a place where they are there. I don't know you could report a troll. So there isn't that trolling element. There isn't that angry vegan element that you sometimes see on social media, but you're seeing a place where it's extremely inclusive and becoming very, um, I don't know. It's just these fun, addicting conversations. So I see it as a place where especially vegan activists can start doing some really good work while we're still all, you know, in lockdown, essentially. Well, I'll have to do that. I, I was invited. And this, you have to be invited to this platform. Is that correct? Yeah. So but ask you, around, ask your friends, are you on it? Invite me, please. Exactly. And, and be careful who you invite, because your name is always attached to that person. So, you know, you might not want to invite your, your crazy uncle who... <laughs> Who's going to yell at somebody because your your name is going to be attached to that forever. But, but they are giving out a lot. You can also download the app. It's for iPhone only at this time. So download the app. And then what'll happen is people will see, oh, oh, my friend's waiting to get in. And if you have extra invites, then you can invite that person in. So I would say just sign up. And if you hear somebody talking about and you're close with them, just ask them and see if they'll give you an invite. And Victoria, yes, we will be doing one at some point, hopefully together, because I I think it's a great place. And I definitely would, you know, love to share more with you there, because it's, it's really a rich environment. 
I like rich environments. So thank you for that. And everybody who is there, check out Plant Based Club and Yoga is Vegan with Holly Scotus. Yes. <laughs> so as, as we uh, come into the final third of, of our program, and I need to apologize for background noise, I do have a rescue pigeon. And sometimes he comes in. So uh, if you like pigeon cooing, you'll be happy. If not, my apologies. In any case, for people who are not terribly familiar with yoga, can you, Chandra, just kind of give us a day in the life? What are the disciplines and the practices that someone who's serious about a yogic lifestyle would do morning to evening? Well, I think that beginning the day with a conscious intention for the day is really important. I think that everyone wakes up a little stiff in the morning, especially when it's cold. So I think anyone can take one minute and lie down on their back in the bed and stretch. So simple. Everyone knows how to stretch. Every animal stretches once they get up. So take a stretch, take a couple of deep breaths, welcome the day, be grateful to be alive. I think it's great to meditate even a short time. You know, we always teach doing something short every day is better than doing something long every now and then. So maybe just sit up, take some breaths, lengthen your spine, and just focus on your own breath or the peace inside. And then live that day. Eat something healthy. Like Holly, I love some lemon water first thing. Refreshes everything inside you. Wakes up your digestive system a little bit. Eat something healthy. Spend the day doing things that are meaningful to you. And sometimes that could simply be lying on your back and looking at the ceiling and contemplating life. You know, do some work or service that feels good and useful to you. In the integral yoga and many traditions, there's a midday meditation. Meditate at noon or so, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long you want is perfect. Eat a healthy lunch. Uh, On the yogic diet, we think the big meal should come in the middle of the day, earlier than a big dinner. But, you know, however your day works, Enjoy things, be observant, be present, be nice to everybody, give people the benefit of the doubt, practice, practice ahimsa and patience and compassion, even for situations and people and, um, I'll say the word only once, politics that could get under your skin. Just stay present and patient and hopeful and optimistic. Maybe take some kind of a yoga class during the day. And in fact, Integral Yoga has 40 online classes a week. Go to IYINY.org. There's a free introductory class every Sunday night to get to know the Integral Yoga practice. Anyone can do it. Maybe have a nice uh, short meditation at the end of the day and go to sleep Uh, feeling like you had a good day. Maybe stretch and breathe a little before you fall asleep. It's, It's simple. It's simple. It's been 
you know, again, as we talk about this corporatization and uh, fancying up of yoga, it's people might feel if you're not, you know, a tall, skinny, blonde woman on the cover of Yoga Journal that, you're, that yoga isn't for you. And nothing can be further from the truth. Yoga is for everybody. Everybody in every body of every shape, size, and color of every background, of every condition. Integral yoga has classes for respiratory health. We have gentle yoga, chair yoga. Um, And we also make sure that nobody misses out on yoga due to finances. We have the free class on Sunday evenings. When we're open again, we have work exchange. We have scholarships. We give away free classes, so never feel that you can't access this. Oh, that's That's, beautiful. Karma yoga. (laughs) Yes. yes. What a life. Who wouldn't want it? And oh my goodness, what a retreat and gathering coming up on March 20th. So check it out at iyiny.org. Then click on workshops and scroll down to March 20th where you will see Yoga Goes Vegan, and you can see the entire day, everybody who's going to be presenting, and the times in the day when we'll have breakouts so that the um, attendees and participants will be able to talk about their own situation. If they're vegan yogis and wonder if they're the only one or if they're not vegan or not even vegetarian yet and just want a very gentle introduction where nobody's going to judge because we're all, as the husband of a friend of mine used to say to her, you're right on time, doing fine. (laughs) And that's good to know. So thanks to both of my guests, Holly Scotus of yogaisvegan.com and the Yoga is Vegan podcast, Chandra uh, Skamoto of Integral Yoga, R-Y-I-N-Y.org. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and to you, our listeners. God bless you and eat yourself some veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.